Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Mom, I'm recording you. Oh, no, Lucas. Yes, may I help you? If you had to guess what your New Year's resolutions were 30 years ago right now, what do you think they would have been? Well, you know, I think that's about the time that I quit making resolutions because they just frustrated me. Still to this day, you don't make resolutions? I try not to. I always have in my mind that I want to do better this year than I did last year, but I don't like specify I'm going to run 14 miles this week and you know, I'm going to only eat salad. You know, I don't do any of that. No. I do want to spend more time with my family and my close friends, you know, and retouch contact with old friends. And the other goal would be, of course, to get Aaron to not use bad language. So is that really a goal for you this year? Are you going to work on him? You know, he's been doing better. I mean, I've only seen those weird things he puts on Instagram. So maybe the East Coast is having a good effect on him. I don't know. But anyway. He'll be excited to hear this. Yeah, I'm sure he will. <laughs> if there's anything that Aaron likes, it's to be someone's project. <laughs> well, good. Well, he has a lot. Well, no, I'm not going to say he's got a lot to work on, but <laughs> he's a fine young man. He really is. One of these days you need to meet him in person because y'all will love each other. I think we might. Maybe he'll be disappointed when he meets me. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, as long as you say Jiminy Crickets around him, I bet he'll be just fine. <gasps> you know, I was watching an old James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart movie the other day, and he said Jiminy Crickets. What do you know? Mom? I can't believe that. All I this know. time, I thought that was a Becky Bronner original. Maybe somewhere in my past, I was a friend of his. In another life. I don't know, but You're right. we'll hope you have a, a merry, merry, merry new year. And I hope all your listeners do too. Thanks, mom. We'll and talk we, to appreciate, you. we appreciate it. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Stop recording now. I will. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 51, 1990, Year in Review. Today we're looking back at the year that ended Monday, December 31st, 1990. Hello friends and welcome to the final episode of 2020 and Season 2 of 30 Pop, looking back at the year 1990. In just a few days, we'll kick off the third season of the show, remembering together all the good and cringy parts of 1991. But before we do, I want to spend the next few minutes reflecting on all that we've talked about over the course of the last 52 weeks. First things first, though. We still have this week in 1990 to talk about, which should take almost no time at all. We end the year with almost no changes to the pop culture landscape. In music, we have the same number one album and singles as last week on each of the charts we track on this show, the same film at the top of the box office, and no major news in sports, fashion, television, etc. In fact, the only thing we got this week was the theatrical release of The Godfather Part 3, 
a spectacular film by all accounts, and the wedding of 28-year-old Tom Cruise to 23-year-old Nicole Kidman, which seemed really sweet at the time, but which is also kind of hard to imagine today. And that was it. We've now done it. We've covered every major pop culture moment of the entire year, or at least most of them. I'm sure I missed a few things here and there, but I certainly gave it my very best effort. If you know of anything I may have overlooked in our year-long review of 1990, please let me and the rest of the world know. Just visit 30pop.com and click on the answering machine link in the header menu. I'd love to hear from you. Now, as we prepare to say goodbye to 1990, let's take one last look back at the whole year. In television, it was the year that gave us amazing shows like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, In Living Color, Beverly Hills 90210, Tiny Toons, and Captain Planet. But it also took a few great shows as well. Alf, Mr. Belvedere, Charles in Charge, Pee-wee's Playhouse, and you can't do that on television. Just to name a few. It was also a year of really great music across all genres. The world obsessed over MC Hammer, Vanilla Ice, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, and Garth Brooks. We fell more deeply in love with George Strait and the guys from New Edition and each of their new musical endeavors. We were shocked by Madonna and the lyrical war between N.W.A. and former founding member Ice Cube. We did the Humpty Dance, and we vogued. And we looked good doing it. Or at least we thought so at the time. The most fashionable among us wore MC Hammer Pants and Slap Bracelets, Jam Shorts, and Loud Colored T-Shirts. It was the year that gave us future stars like Emma Watson, Kristen Stewart, Jennifer Lawrence, Soulja Boy, and The Weeknd but in which we said our sad goodbyes to Jim Henson, Sammy Davis Jr., and Stevie Ray Vaughan, among others. The top 10 songs of the year according to the Billboard Year-End Hot 100, a list you'll find in its entirety linked in the show notes for this episode, looked like this. At number 10, we had John Bon Jovi with his very first solo single, Blaze of Glory. Number 9 was Billy Idol's Cradle of Love. Number 8 was In Vogue with Hold On. Number seven was Phil Collins' Another Day in Paradise. Mariah Carey's Vision of Love was number six, and Madonna's Vogue was number five. Number four was Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. Number three was Nothing Compares to You by the always controversial Sinead O'Connor. Number two was Roxette's It Must Have Been Love. And number one was Wilson Phillips with Hold On. And as for movies, 1990 was a really amazing year. As I traveled for the holidays this past week, I had the great pleasure of sitting down with one of 30 Pop's newest listeners and one of my newest friends from 2020, voiceover artist Charles The Voice Coates, who happens to be my in-law's neighbor, the life of every party, and one of the nicest guys on the planet. We sat down for a bit to recap all the highlights and lowlights of Hollywood's contribution to the year 1990. Here's our conversation. Charles, welcome to 30 Pop. First thanks. time, man. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Yeah. Appreciate it, So man. as I said right before this segment started, one of the only upsides to 2020, a year that's been so hard, I got one new friend, and, <laughs> and you're it. So you live a awesome, couple doors dude. down from my in-laws, and I get to see you every so often. So I'm so happy to have especially that voice, Charles the Voice, on the show. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. So what I want us to do is we're looking back at the entire year as we prep next week to start looking at 1991 Mm -hmm. in depth, which I'm going to invite you to be on lots of those episodes. Sure. But today what I want to do is look back at kind of the whole year cinematically, 
all of the movies that were releasing that were at the top of the box office, all of those things. So are you a movie guy? I'm a movie dude for sure. So to give a little bit of context, how old were you in 1990? I was 11. 11 years old. Okay. So we're about the same age. I turned 11 in 1990. Yep. Same, same. I turned 11 in 1990. Okay. In July. Perfect. Yeah. You got a few months on me, but we were about (laughs) the same age. What sort of movies were you into as a kid? Uh, and what were you allowed to watch? Okay. So I was allowed to watch a lot of different things, but it was one of those deals where it's like, if something kind of risque came up, like the hand would come across the couch and cover oh, yeah. my eyes or yeah. at the movie theater. Right. But like my dad, my dad let me watch nightmare on Elm street nice. when I was like seven years old. And that part where he like stretches his arms out in the alleyway. I remember that. Yeah. Dude, that part, like, I had nightmares from that forever. And now I think back and I'm like, really, dad? Like, what were you thinking, dude? (laughs) So your neighbor two doors down, Gary Granger, my Uh father-in-law, kind of the same way. Like his kids grew up watching like Predator and, (laughs) you know, Commando and Terminator and like all of the things where people are getting killed and whatever. Very bloody, very gory. No sense whatsoever that that was a bad idea for his kids. The thing is, I think because my father enjoyed watching movies so much, it was one of those like... I don't know. It was a bonding moment. You know what I mean? Just watching the movies with him. And I mean, there was nothing that I didn't really watch, but I would say my favorite, like, I don't know when, when somebody ever says, Hey, what's your favorite movies? You Mm -hmm. know, um, like back to the future is always number one. Of course. It's all BTF is number one all the time. Yep. And you know, Goonies is always up in there. Mm -hmm. Big trouble in little China Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Okay, like so those are, we have similar interests then. Yeah. And we'll get to cover some of that because some of that was 1990, which is right exciting. On. So. And it's unfortunate I didn't know you sooner because some of it was 89 too and we covered it last year. But <laughs> All right, so number one at the box office the first several weeks of 1990 was born on the 4th of July. Were, was that a thing that was on your radar? Not, not really. Yeah, yeah. Not for me either. I bet I would like it today even though Tom Cruise is a weirdo. But <laughs> I mean, it won all kinds of awards, so I'm sure it's excellent. But... The first one that came out in 1990 that really, really jumped out at me was the movie Tremors. Were you a Tremors guy? Oh, dude. Oh, you mean Graboids? <laughs> yes. Thank you for knowing that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Have you listened to the 30 Pop episode about Tremors? Uh-uh. Okay. Yet. So we started this year. I got to interview Michael Gross. Oh, nice. And S.S. Wilson, who wrote the film. Not a huge payday at the box office, but it's a cult classic. I mean, I love it. Oh, yeah. I'm amazed that you I'm know. surprised, though, because I don't know, like... You think about it for like an 11 year old, dude, that's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was fun for me to see Kevin Bacon in that way. I only knew Kevin Bacon at that point from Footloose as, uh-huh. as Ren McCormick, you know, who yep. I also loved. But to get to see him play like another really cool, kind of ridiculous now yeah. looking back character was just the best. I yeah. loved it. So, big movie soon thereafter, February 9th, Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of like. <laughs> They're hard to keep up with because it's like all of these movies with very, very similar titles and yep. identical themes Oh yeah, with Jean-Claude and yep. Steven Seagal. Well, see, now, just like you said, I don't know if it was for that one or if it was for any of the other ones that he made, but I remember the trailer voice for that. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like, Steven Seagal's taking out the trash you know, or something like that. <laughs> yes. And then he does this like choke punch thing to this guy in like a liquor store yeah and that was like the baddest move ever it's like oh he knows like what is it called hapkido yeah and then it's like this like i never heard about it you know it's like i heard about karate and taekwondo and kung fu but like what's this new thing he's doing he's like he's using their joints against them and it yes. was like whoa he's awesome and he's doing it with like a calm raspy voice yeah and like yeah the, the only the here's what i'll say i'm not a seagal fan 
with the exception of Under Siege. When I saw Under Siege as a kid, which we'll talk about in a couple years, I freaking loved it. And it was because he ripped Tommy Lee Jones's throat yes, out. Do you yes. remember that? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But I did love, you know, I, I was of the mindset that you have to either like Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude. I didn't know you could like both people. <laughs> it was like Coke and Pepsi. You couldn't, you couldn't right. love them both. And so I always opted for Jean-Claude because oh, he, yeah. he was awesome and he was in the film Breaking. But okay, yeah. so in March we get The Hunt for Red October, Jack Ryan film. Are you a Jack Ryan universe fan? Not a Jack Ryan universe. I was more in it because of Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. of course. And nuclear subs. Hello. We had House Party come out also a week later. And Joe versus the Volcano, which is a film I really love. I have never seen that movie, you dude. You really need to. It is quirky <laughs> as can be. Par for the course for Tom Hanks movies at the time. I mean, you were getting stuff like, what else? He had done Splash. He had done. Oh, dude, I love Splash. Oh, it's fantastic. But I love Splash. Joe versus the Volcano. It's almost like Tim Burton-esque in its weirdness. Uh-huh. It's not quite that flavor, but it's similar to me in just kind of the way that it's quirky. Hmm. Another one I hated as a kid. I was just like, I saw it in theaters and I, I did not get it. Rewatched it this year and just thought, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to really? watch this once a year. Yeah. Awesome. The Burbs. It was kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of tone. Right. Meg Ryan is brilliant in the film. She plays like three or four different characters. You expect that with Eddie Murphy. You don't expect right. that with Meg Ryan, but she's, right. she's great. Really, huh. really great. Highly recommend. Yeah, I need to watch that. So another big, big one, Pretty Woman came out. Oh, yeah. Late March. Yeah. Big mistake. Incredible film. Love. That's maybe where I fell in love with Julia Roberts. Yeah, I hadn't seen Still Magnolias until like a year ago. And so, but more importantly, the very next weekend, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, really? Yep. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like the number one film at the box office for several weeks. Sure. Movies that came out in that time, Ernest Goes to Jail. Oh, yeah. If, were you an Ernest P. World guy? Yeah. I remember going to the movies and watching Ernest Goes to Jail. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. So, Man, I haven't thought about that movie in a minute. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's see. Other films that were notable to me, at least. Well, let's get right to it. So in May, we got Back to the Future Part 3. Okay. Are you a fan of the whole trilogy? I'm a fan of all of it. All right. Tell me your thoughts on Back to the Future 3. So I think... I like the fact that like back to the future is like wholesome to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then I really like the fact that doc fell in love Mm -hmm. and I kind of had a crush on the teacher lady back then too, because of that, I think. And Clara, Clara. Yeah, that's right. You just expect the model set up and how doc explains how everything's going to happen. And he's always got like a little miniature thing set up there. Yeah. And just funny little things like the moonwalk, you know, when he's like, yes, dance, dance, boy, yeah, yeah. dance. And he's like, he starts doing the moonwalk and they look at him like, what? So good. And then he's like, all right, doc, get me a, you need to get me some Western clothes. So I blend in and he gets some like the yeah. pink and white leathered cowboy jacket with all the Which little Which to look dangly. back on is like so iconic now. Like oh, it's yeah. the, the best look. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, here's what I love and what I really respect about these movies. So Zemeckis and Bob Gale. They do rehash jokes, which is a thing that like that's common. And to me, the mark of any like really bad sequel is a poor rehashing of the jokes that have already been told. Mm -hmm. And they rehash jokes, but they do it so perfectly. They do it in a way that just makes you like love the joke more. You know, you get those same. So like you're talking about with the models and all that stuff, like. Even, you know, he has this whole big massive machine that he's built to create. One little dirty one ice, little cube. ice cube. It's yeah. dirty too. And like, that's how the first movie, you know, the first movie, he has all this machinery yep. to what feed his dog. What is it, like dog. a Rube Ginsburg? Or not Ruth Ginsburg. <laughs> uh, the machine where it's like you do all these things yeah, yeah, to, yeah. yeah. I know, it is Rube something. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But like, 
so they are kind of rehashing and bringing back these yeah. same things, but they just do it in such a wonderful. Yeah. And it's because you like it so much when you see another version or whatever of it, it makes you happy. Cause you're like, Oh yeah, it's there again. You know, yeah. instead of like a uh, lame, you know, it's like, Oh, we got it the first time, dude. Yeah. Yeah. The only hard part for me. And you know, I have always been of the mindset my entire life until the last year that it was, I would rank the movies two, one, three. I always thought Back to the Future 2 was the best. Today, it's one, two, three for me. Like yeah. after rewatching them all back to back, it had never dawned on me until I watched them back to back, the Jennifer change. Yeah. And I will always prefer the original Jennifer. I oh, think yeah. she's just better. Oh, but, yeah. You know, it's yep. just, that's a weird yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And I think, like, I agree with you with the two, one, three when I was younger, mm-hmm. because like this is honest to God's truth, dude. I wanted hoverboards to be real so bad. Of course. I would lie to other kids, right? Because I moved from California to Missouri, right? And they're all like, oh, you're from California. You're from California. I was like, yeah. "Yeah." And I would tell kids, I'd be like, yeah, you know the hoverboards? Yeah, those are real in California. And they're like, what? And I'm like, and I even made up in my mind how they worked. I had no idea how they worked. And I was like, okay, that's obviously a magnet, right? And I'm like, you know how when you put two magnets together and you put them opposite polarity, like they push off each other? Like I'm making this up in my mind because I want it to be true so bad. And I was like, yeah, there's a whole town that on the sidewalks, underneath the sidewalk concrete, they have magnets that are flipped over so people could actually use hoverboards. And I was like, it's the coolest thing ever. And they're like, and they believe me, dude. And I believe myself because I explained it in such detail. Like it was stupid, (laughs) but maybe you need to be a mayor of a town. (laughs) Everybody just has hoverboard stuff. That was a premonition, man. Okay. So we get a total recall a couple weeks later. Oh yeah. Were you a Schwarzenegger guy? Oh yeah, dude. I was a big total recall movie, dude. Really? Especially I don't because think I'm I've 11. actually ever seen the original total recall. No. I saw the remake. Do the remake. So stupid. Not good. I'm sure the original would be stupid now too, but it would be like stupid in that really wonderful 1990 way. Yeah. 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 No, uh, I may even own it and I've never watched it. I don't know. <laughs> I remember that was the first time like you're an 11 year old boy and you see an alien with three boobs. <laughs> Like, you're like, what? I mean, 11 years old, you see an alien with any boobs. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And I, I just remember so many lines from it. It's like, I remember when that happened, like that part came out. And then the the guy that was a taxi driver that ended up being an alien because he like pulled his sleeve out and then his his arm flipped up and he had like three fingers and he was an alien. Oh, my. And uh, and he was like, yeah, man, makes me wish I had three hands. And, like just all sorts of stuff, like two weeks, you know, like when when he, uh, Schwarzenegger's in that costume and like the face comes apart. Yeah, that's still wild to look yeah. at. I mean, it's like not a great practical effect today. Yeah. But to look back with nostalgic eyes, it's like amazing. Oh, yeah, I would have been floored by it, but. And, and I it's remember, like such an like iconic Arnold moment. Too, oh, yeah. that you, I remember my brother and I, we would play together and we would pretend like the parts that when Arnold Schwarzenegger would fall outside onto the Mars atmosphere and like he starts like, mm. like running out of air and his eyes start bulging out. And then he does like the Arnold Schwarzenegger sound. But, oh, 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 right. And so like the crazy part was it's like my brother and I would pretend and we would do those parts over and over. Like that was our thing. It was, it was nuts, man. I like now that we talk about it, I've never really talked about it like this, but it's like, those are like big things in my life, man. Like growing up, it's like, Whoa, I get it. man. That's how Ninja Turtles was for me. Like Ninja Turtles was that for me. I, I was out in the backyard, like with a dowel rod beating trees and stuff. Cause I thought I was a Ninja Turtle, but so another movie that came out, which I loved then sort of forgot about rewatched this year and realized was, incredible dick tracy 
Were you a Dick Tracy guy? I wasn't, but I just remember Dick Tracy's watch. Of course. Yeah, yeah that was watch like, yeah. Anybody. yeah, watch, trench coat, like, you know, his little hat that's yeah. kind of tilted and kind of half, half shadows his face. Like, yeah. he's the cool, like, investigator dude. Yeah, Madonna was in it, and she was spectacular. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, everybody's in again. it. Everybody's in it. So, basically, Warren Beatty wanted to make this film and then wound up directing it because no one all these directors kept backing out because right. baby was so hard to work with right so he winds up directing it and just tapping all of his friends for favors to come be in this mm-hmm. so there's cameos throughout it that you're like i can't believe like i'd had no memory of al pacino being the main villain in that movie I, but when, when you, you said watch that, I'm it like, it's I can't like think he's of, the main villain he's huh, the big bad guy and huh. so but when you watch it i rewatched it this year expecting to like hate it and be embarrassed that i ever watched it to begin with <laughs> It's incredible. It is so fun. I, I love, love, it love it. Yeah. I got to watch it again. All right, moving right along. So we are into the summer blockbuster season now. We had Days of Thunder, more from Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Another one I don't really care about. I probably would like it today. I just like race cars or yeah. not. Like, and, and I think maybe because my age, that wasn't like a yeah. big thing. I know my dad liked it. Right, but yeah. right. But Die Hard 2. Uh, yeah. It's July, but we're getting into Christmas movies, obviously. So right. are you a Die Hard guy? Or are you a John McClane fan? I am. I would say the first one was the one that I have watched the most many course, times yeah. and remember the most. Yeah. Is Die Hard 2 the one where they're like, the plane ends up taking off and he like lights the trail yep. of fire and it goes up to the plane and boom, exactly blows right. up. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of a sucker for these movies anyway. I didn't see them until I was much older. Like uh-huh. I was probably in my 20s, maybe my 30s when I saw Die Hard for the first time. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Because unlike you, I was not allowed to watch basically oh, anything. Yeah, my okay. mom to this day doesn't watch rated R movies. And oh, okay, so, yeah. But yeah, so I discovered these late and loved it. Oh, yeah. Loved Die Hard too. Uh, another big summer blockbuster, obviously, was Ghost. Oh, yeah. Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Really, really beautiful film. You mean Prospect Place, Willie? Yeah. Yeah. Morticia? Girl, what did you do to your hair? Wow. <laughs> that is a callback. That is amazing. Yeah. So you have seen it, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Mo Better Blues, are you a Spike Lee guy? Yeah. Mo Better Blues, I remember the name of it, but at the time, I never watched it. Same. I saw it this year for the first time. Yep. I always remembered being interested in Spike Lee, but I had never had a, like a reason to yep. see his movies as a kid. I would have yep. just, it wasn't in my universe, Yep. but have been watching them now with this show as they release, you know, so mm-hmm. do the right thing is a spectacular film. Mobiter Blues, I was not expecting to enjoy it all. It's Denzel, yep. who I love, but I just still didn't have real high expectations. Right. Really, really beautiful film. Like. Huh. It's rough, but it's really good. You should right. definitely check it out. Okay, so, I'll, I'll definitely check it the out. The next really important movie, I think, that came out that year was in September, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Are you a mob movie guy? Have you I seen enjoy, Goodfellas? Yeah, I've seen it, but I have to watch it again to remember everything. Yeah, yeah. it's really, really excellent. Honestly, like mob movies, they all kind of like meld together to me. Like, <laughs> totally I'm like, was that it. Goodfellas? Was that Casino? Was that, you know, like, yeah. uh, because it's usually the same guys. Like yeah. they cast a lot of the kind of same people, yeah. you know? And they're very often playing the same characters. Yeah, like, like so now it's Joe Pesci, but it's like, was he from that movie? Yeah. Or was he from this movie? Yeah. And I think that's why, it, I don't know, I never really got into them because- in my mind, they all kind of melded together. It was like a ratatouille or something. The thing that's interesting about Goodfellas, though, is to see that Pesci 
months before Home Alone comes out, which Home Alone is obviously how I was introduced to Joe Pesci. Right. But now I watch Goodfellas and know those came out at the same time and know that one of them is actually probably much more true to who Joe Pesci is uh-huh. and the characters he wants to play. Uh-huh. It's really fun for me to know that those movies came out so close to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, so we get, there's a whole bunch of kind of less important, at least in my opinion, movies that come out until we get into November, which is when Home Alone comes out. We're spending mm-hmm. lots of time on the show, obviously talking mm-hmm. Home Alone. Because of Home Alone, we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time talking about Rocky Five, which I love. Where do you stand on the Rocky films? So, are you pro Rocky Five or anti Rocky Five? I'm kind of in the middle because when you say Rocky Five, I don't even know which Rocky that is. Like, I don't okay. know who the main character is because okay. it was always Drago. Like, that was the one that always stood out in my mind when I was a kid. So, Drago is Rocky Gunn. Four. Tommy Gunn is Rocky Five. Okay, okay. Yeah. So the street fight at the end, he's yep. training Tommy Gunn. And then he ends up, you know, being challenged to fight him out in the middle of a street. Yeah. I freaking love Rocky Five, but most <laughs> like diehard Rocky fans hate it. And I don't uh, understand that. I think it's so great. But we didn't get to linger on it. We also got Dances with Wolves, which is a spectacular movie. Dude, I love Dances with Wolves. Worthy of all of the awards that it won, which oh, yeah. were many. Dude, I got a funny story about Dances with Wolves. All right. So, you know how on movie trailers it'll say, based on the true story, mm-hmm. right? So my brother at this time, so I'm 11, my brother's like six, right? And I remember watching it and you know, it was, once again, it was on HBO a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I remember I was watching it and my brother, the, I think it's the opening scene maybe that's like, it's a bunch of native Americans and they're hunting Buffalo mm-hmm. and they're all just running back and forth and, or maybe they're fighting the union soldiers or something. I can't remember, but I just remember my brother like right in the middle of like the craziest scenes, he goes, dad, why aren't the, how are the cameramen not getting shot? And we were like, what? And he's like, how can they be filming all this and not getting hurt? And we were like, it's just a movie. And cause it says on there based on a true story or something like that. Mm. And he was like, well, it's a true story. So that means it was filmed live, yeah. you know? And that was the film. It was dances with wolves. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Uh, misery. I watched misery. Were you a kid when you watched misery? I was a kid when I watched misery. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And the part where he got his feet broken. Yeah. Dude, that part was, I was just like, wow, this is like, there's this lady's crazy. And like, I can't believe that I just saw that. Yeah. And my dad, now that I look back, I'm like, thanks dad. <sighs> yeah. Appreciate that. Like, yeah. I can't believe Man, you let me watch it. I saw that for the first time all the way through when I prepped for that episode. Mm-hmm. And I know that scene exists. I've seen that scene before, but like, I mean, like, it's a brilliant movie. Of course. Yeah, it's a brilliant movie. Like, man, just the story of that guy and, like, the characters and, and how they how they act is just, it was, it was perfect. Yeah. Like, it was perfect. In the most twisted way. Like, yeah, it's, right, it's right, right. so hard to watch. Oh, yeah. I'm going to skip ahead to one that I wanted to spend more time on but didn't. Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Remember that movie? Yep. When's the last time you saw Edward Scissorhands? Probably 20 years ago. You got to rewatch it. Are you a Tim Burton fan? Yeah. Okay, Tim Burton, I didn't have the context then that I have now for Tim Burton mm-hmm. to understand his whole kind of body of work. Mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands is a brilliant movie. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Freaking loved the movie. Just rewatched it. Highly recommend it. Right. And then last one we'll talk about today, Kindergarten Cop. We already <laughs> uh, had a little bit of Arnold. Oh, yeah. This to me, and I said this on the episode, this to me is maybe my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger Maybe it's because I didn't grow up with him as an action hero. I grew up with him in Twins uh-huh. and Kindergarten Cop. Right. But I love John Kimball oh, as yeah. a character. I really, really, really like Kindergarten Cop. And there was a part for me that kind of 
weirdly hit home to me mm -hmm. because the dad, the kid's dad, mm -hmm. he was the bully in the movie. Was it three o'clock high? I don't know. I want to say it's three o'clock high where like this new tough kid comes to school and like this other kid touched him. And then everybody's like, Oh man, he's like went to jail before and this and that. Cause he's from, he's never, he's new to the school mm. and he's got like long hair and he was in that movie and I'd never seen him in anything else. And then I saw him as the dad there and I was like, it's the bully guy from three o'clock high. But then, I mean, just the movie was great because now when I think back, I think that's why I like school of rock so much. Oh yeah. Because it's like, a dude that's pretending to be a teacher that's yeah. not really a teacher, but he's like kind of fooling people and yeah. like, and he's, you know, the moms are oogling over him and stuff. And yeah. then he's trying to keep this kid safe. And it's like, does he love the kid? Like, you know, and then the Arnold Schwarzenegger's partner, she what, broke so her leg great. or something. And she, she's, she's got the flu. She's, like, she's got the flu. Super yeah. Sick, she's super yeah. sick. And she's in the hotel room in this little small town or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a great flick. It really is. That villain, the dad for me is, especially now looking back at the other Seagal movies, he's such a poor man, Steven Seagal in that movie. Like he, that's just the look. It's like if Steven Seagal were to play a villain, yep. that's exactly the character you get. Yep. And in I never fact, maybe he's like a little that's more pretty... interesting than that, than Seagal in most right. roles. But um, <laughs> anyway, man, it was a great year for movies. We've got amazing stuff coming in 91. I can't wait to have you back on. We'll do it often. Every time I'm in town to visit my in-laws, yeah, man, I'm just going to come knock on your door. And yeah. It's, uh, it's my pleasure. Out. Yeah. Awesome. Charles, thanks so much. We look forward to having you back. All we'll right. see you next time. Thanks Luke. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with Charles and look forward to having him back on often to do much deeper dives into less general topics from 1991. Thanks so much to him for being a part of this, our final episode of 2020. Friends, as we wrap up, a couple of friendly reminders and invitations. If you want one last hurrah with the year 1990, be sure to subscribe to the 30 Pop Mixtape playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. It's updated weekly with the top 40-ish songs on the chart from exactly 30 years ago. Also recently updated is the 30 Pop Shop on tpublic.com, where you can get some really fun 80s and 90s pop culture-themed shirts, hoodies, phone cases, stickers, magnets, mugs, etc. In fact, I just went through this past week and completely cleared the store out and began adding new designs. Definitely check it out. Lastly, if you've enjoyed this past year of 30 Pop and want to help the show reach as many nostalgia-loving ears as possible, there are a couple things you can do that will really help. First, follow us on social media especially Instagram, as that's the place we're most consistently active. If you already follow the show, then maybe share our profile with an 80s and 90s loving friend so they can follow as well. Second, if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, would you take 30 seconds to rate and review the show? Supposedly, the more active our ratings and reviews are on that platform, the more folks will find the show. I have no idea whether or not that's true, but what I do know is I feel way encouraged to keep going in my work when folks show the podcast some love. I really love producing and hosting the show, but as with anyone, a little encouragement is always welcome. Lastly, and most importantly, if you believe in the bigger vision for what I'm doing, building a neighborhood of storytellers, a community of people who believe that stories have the ability to deepen our connection to one another, even silly stories about 30-year-old pop culture nonsense, then would you consider joining this community on Patreon? Patreon is a platform that allows people like you to partner with people like me for as little as a dollar a month in exchange for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, not only from 30 Pop, but from the entire Milieu Media Group roster of shows. I don't actually care about how much money you choose to invest in this work. What I really want is your you -ness. I want you to be a part of the community. 
to join me in working to leave the world a little better than we found it. You'll find links to Patreon and everything I just mentioned in the show notes for this episode. I hope you'll click on something. I also hope you'll join me back right here next week as we kick off Season 3 with another fun Home Alone cast member interview. We've got a whole new year ahead, friends. 1991. I cannot wait. All these retro pop culture headlines kind of make me feel like Don Michael Corleone. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.